This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Just inland from the hard-packed sand of Daytona Beach sits Daytona International Speedway. Tonight, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in his final season as a full-time driver races here one more time. Green flag in the air. We're under Sparky from time to time, and energy is the run. A guy pushing another guy. A free ride is never good. Door to door and side by side, which line do you choose? It'd be hard for Junior to get any energy behind with two wide behind him. Brad Keselowski looking very looking strong good. out in front of the pack. Four wide, just simple real estate. Dylan Hart Jr. up against the wall. Blaney on the inside making it four wide. And the big one happens at Daytona. Look how fast that happened. This is the fear when it comes to Daytona. That 75 laps to go. Four rounds. It's a 24 at Chase Elliott. Three wide for the lead. Around goes Harvick. Up in the air goes the 42 of Kyle Larson. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a power move. White flag in the air. He's going to get it at the biggest Presented by Mobile One, we are happy to have Mobile One aboard as we transition to our new 5 p.m. Eastern start time. And we hope that you are enjoying the extended July 4th weekend. Carolyn Mano alongside Kyle Petty and our crew chief Steve Letarte is with us as well. A busy few days in Daytona, as these gentlemen know all too well as the NBC portion of the season gets underway. But also a day off yesterday as your father... The King yes. celebrated his 80th birthday. Yep, spent the afternoon with my dad. They flew home that morning. We drove home from Daytona, and all my sisters were there. So hamburgers and hot dogs on the 4th of July or 2nd of July for his birthday. Big he, day. He's not slowing down at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. He, he's the guy. If he could get back in a car and drive, he'd be back in a car driving. How old were you in this photo? Uh, I think I was six. <laughs> I was a big six-year-old, Your legs are I? too long to be <laughs> Okay, 12 or 13. Okay, just double it. Just double it. Steve, you were back in the saddle this weekend, of course. What was your biggest takeaway from Daytona? Well, we talked all last week on this show and all weekend on the buildup about what was on the line in the 400-mile race at Daytona. And I think all the competitors must have been listening because when the green flag fell, the urgency was there instantly. We talked about 10 races until the playoffs in Richmond and big names, Kenseth, Kyle Busch, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Joey Logano, all without wins to qualify them for the playoffs. And I think that's what we saw Saturday night is teams realizing that time is of the essence. It's time to get to victory lane. We saw aggression, aggression early. And more crashes that I could count. I actually lost count. I ran out of fingers somewhere with about 50 to go. Yeah, let me remind you, 14 <laughs> cautions yes. in all, which amazingly is a record for this race. Let's look back to Saturday night, uh, just get you caught up with how everything went down. Of course, Dale Earnhardt Jr., the big story on the pole, his final race at Daytona as a full-time driver. Uh, Kyle, though, on lap 52, a junior would lose a right front tire, hits the wall here, ends up going two laps down to the leaders. Yeah, he said he had gotten to the wall a little bit earlier, a couple laps before this. He's trying to back up that outside line and get out of the way, but there's no place to go. When you have trouble and you're in front of a line, 
there's no place to go. He did a good job just running it, getting getting into the outside wall, lost two laps here, as you said. Yeah, Junior Nation holding their collective breath. On lap 71, Kyle Busch spins out, takes out Joey Logano, Martin Truex, Austin Dillon, just to name a few, Steve. Well, this is what happens when things don't go right when you lose a tire. The 18 of Kyle Busch made some contact earlier with the 95, had a little bit of a tire rub. Eventually, the tire goes down, and like Kyle said, nowhere to go. As he slows down, the 41, his brother Kurt Busch, basically runs him over because there's nowhere else to go, causing a huge crash. So at this point in the race, Junior's gotten back on the lead lap. He charges into the top 10, but Kevin Harvick loses the tire and collects Junior in the process. Yeah, once again, uh, I think somebody had gotten into Harvick. They feel like that they had a tire rub a little bit and went down. But I'm telling you something. Junior and those guys, that team had fought their way back in with the Lucky Dog, put themselves in position, and felt like they had an opportunity to come back and win. We've seen cars that have been in major crashes come back and win some of these races before. But uh, I I'm telling you, the air was let out of that place yeah, when they hauled that 88 the car crowd in. cheering for him. His night was done. Harvick's night was done. Lap 153 here, Steve. Kyle Larson into the air. Ryan Blaney collides with him. Kurt Busch also getting clipped and hitting the wall hard. Well, Kyle, you talk about coming back and winning a race after a wreck. This wreck starts when the 17, the eventual race winner, and the 42 make contact, 42 airborne. All the flaps deploy. The car comes back onto the ground, saves him from going over. Unfortunately, didn't help Ryan Blaney. You see right here behind him, ending the 21's night. So a couple cautions later, we'd have overtime. David Reagan in the 38, Ty Dillon in the 13, leading everybody on the restart. Stenhouse sitting there in third. He had a couple of close calls all day. And as they come to the overtime line, Reagan had to make a decision. He blocks Dillon, and that would open the door for Stenhouse. Yeah, you know, it, I, you can't second-guess a driver. A driver's taking all the information he has. But he opened up that inside line, and Ricky Stenhouse had been strong all night on the bottom of the racetrack. We had seen those guys progressively make their way to the front, uh, and he took advantage of that. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. gets his second win of 2017 and continues Ford's dominance on restrictor plate tracks. You know, the Blue Oval brand has now won six straight and ten of the last 13 plate races. Clint Boyer comes home second in back-to-back -back weeks. And as we take a look at some notable finishes here now, Corey LaJoy, who finished 11th, posted the best result of his Monster Energy Series career. Dale Earnhardt Jr. gave it his best shot. That wreck with Kevin Harvick sent him to 32nd place. The night belonged to Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and our Marty Snyder spoke with him right afterward. Yeah, it's tough out there. I left the bottom open for the 13, and I thought I gave a race away there. But, um, wow, these guys... I kept my Talladega car, told them to build a new one. They built a fifth, third, fourth. It was really fast. We won the Firecracker 400, man. That's awesome. Uh, been coming down here since 2008. Came in 2006, one time with Bobby Hamilton Jr. And uh, it's cool that uh, we put it in victory lane, got our second win this year. What do you want to say to these fans? They're hearing you right now, Ricky. Love it. Thank you for coming out here. Everybody in NASCAR. Woo, America. 1776, we are the champs. All right, we'll see you in Victory Lane, all right? Thank you. How great was that, Kyle, just to see that interview right on the track Right on the track, the that was cool. That, that was emotion right there. That's that's cool. That's something I'm going to be looking forward to for the rest of the season. Meantime, uh, Stenhouse becomes the fifth different driver to win multiple races this year. He joins Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski. The number of race winners who qualify for the playoffs stays at 10, so there are six spots that remain for those hoping to get in on points. Joey Logano 
is the one that drops below the cutoff line after his wreck on Saturday night. So we know where Stenhouse was at the end of this race. But Steve, take us through really how he ran all night, because that's not something that the fans always get to see. Well, to be honest, Carolyn, there was so much action on the racetrack. There were points in the race that I lost track a few of these competitors, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was one of them. He had a night really of ups and downs. He wasn't a very dominant race car. He wasn't towards the front of the pack. While he started near the front, he started outside the points in the or excuse me, finished outside the points in stage one, finished outside the points in stage two, both outside the top ten. Heck, he was in the multi-car crash. We showed just seven laps from the finish, but somehow he continued to move forward. It really reminded me a lot of their win at Talladega, where they also had an accident, repaired their race car, and continued to move forward. And just with the attrition, with the cautions, KP, at the end, it just seemed like when I looked at the top eight or top ten coming for that overtime restart, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and perhaps Clint Boyer were the two names that had, without a doubt, the most experience in that situation. And Ricky Stenhouse used that experience, and it was obvious. Coming down the backstretch there, coming to the white flag, he had a plan. He executed the plan. As you mentioned, though, that 17, even though it didn't run up front most of the night, when it did get there, it looked like it had the speed around the bottom of the racetrack. Yeah, you know, for, for me, as, as you watch this thing, we're going to overtime, and you've got David Reagan and Ty Dillon on the outside. Uh, names that we don't see up front. And when we look at those top six or seven cars, uh, you're looking at it right there. Um, Paul Menard. We're looking at Michael McDowell. Those guys. The one car has been in a wreck there with Jamie McMurray, and the front end has torn off that thing, and he's running an eighth at this point in time. So when you saw that pack, it's like, we're going to get a first-time winner here. We're going to get somebody. But when this door, when this, the door was opened up going into turn three, Ricky Stenhouse with Michael McDowell pushing him uh, took advantage of it, and there was no looking back at this point. Something about this win, winning two restrictor plate races in the same season, can really identify a driver as someone yeah. that is a threat to watch on these particular types of tracks. But where did this come from? Is this all of a sudden for Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? Has this been here all along? No, it, we in, in, in post-race, um, Ricky gave a lot of credit um, to Tommy Wheeler uh, and the Jimmy Finney with their Speedway program. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think this does wonders for Roush Racing. This was a team that was becoming an afterthought. Uh, a footnote in NASCAR history, it almost seemed like, over the last couple of years. But those guys have worked really hard. This program started in 2015, according to Ricky, when we interviewed him again in the post-race. And he talked about every time that he has run a restrictor plate race, he's learned a little more, a little more. We asked him, did you learn things at Talladega that you used here tonight? He said, yes. And I learned things here tonight that I'm going to use when I go back to Talladega. So Ricky, now that he has the equipment, is becoming a very proficient, as we see now these last two restrictor plate races, a restrictor plate driver. Steve, how many wins does it take uh, for an organization like Roush Fenway Racing to say, you know what, we're back, um, our struggles are behind us, or however you want to identify yeah. that? I mean, is this enough to really put the organization back on the map, so to speak? Well, I think this is enough to get the organization heading back in the right direction. At some point, um, you have to have some results to go for the hard work. And there's been a tremendous amount of hard work at Roush Fenway to try to correct the struggles of the recent years. Um, it's always 
easy to fix issues with speed. Unfortunately, we haven't seen equal speed out of Roush Fenway at all of the racetracks. Like Kyle said, they created this super speedway program. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is doing a great job of highlighting it. So this is a great start. The most important thing now is to understand what they still need to work on because, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is now playoff bound. The, the two-time Xfinity champion was 0 for 156. 156, basically five seasons, four and a half seasons at the cup level. Now he bounces back, wins, gets that breakthrough win, and lo and behold, before those superstar names we mentioned at the beginning of the show, whether it's Kyle Busch or Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Joey Logano, he goes back to victory lane for his second win. And I think that is an even bigger momentum builder than the first. The first could be called a fluke at Talladega. I didn't think it was. But when you go back-to-back -back at the super speedways, show the domination he has, I think they're here to stay. Now it's playing ahead for the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I didn't believe the first one was, was a fluke. I thought he made a great move uh, at the end of Talladega. This win gets Roush back in the conversation, back to the table. Um, I believe they can run good on the speedways. We've seen them run, run well on the short tracks. Their Achilles heel are those intermediate tracks, the mile, the mile and a half. And as we look at the playoffs, that's what the playoffs is built, are, are built of, those mile and a half racetracks. This team has to up that program. Now, having said that, there's a lot of teams out there that are in the same position that Roush was a couple of years ago. They weren't competitive anywhere. At least Roush has bookends. Uh, we've got the speedways on one side and the short tracks. Now we've just got to fill in the middle. So they know what their goals are. They know what they have to work on. Uh, and I think Ricky, with each win, with each race, just as, as, as Steve said, he's two for eight. His confidence has got to be sky high no matter where he goes at this point in time. And that does a lot for a team also. Even though I'm sure it is, you bring up something very interesting, which is those mile and a half, which yes. is something that he talked a lot about after the race. And we're going to bring that up a little bit later in the show and just dig a little bit deeper into what could maybe await them as the playoffs come into play. Because you mentioned half of those tracks are mile and a half. But while we are talking about Ricky Stenhouse Shear, how's this for timing? He is our very first yes. guest as NASCAR America heads to the NASCAR Hall of Fame on Wednesday, broadcasting live from Glory Road every single Wednesday. Our drivers are all going to be there. We've got Jeff Burton and Dale Jarrett and, of course, Kyle Petty. And our very first driver is the one that's coming off win this weekend. And I just have to tell everybody at home, we don't always have the luxury of scheduling those after wins. So we had had no. him on the schedule, and then lo and behold... He's the man about town this week. Perfect timing, okay? Yeah. We've got, obviously, NBC's first race back, our first winner, Ricky Stenhouse, and our first show from the Hall of Fame. And I'm excited about going to the Hall of Fame because I love the Hall of Fame um, with all the history that's there. And we're going to take that history and bring in Ricky Stenhouse, talk about the most recent NASCAR race that he's the winner of in that atmosphere of all that history. And you've got Dale Jarrett and you've got uh, Jeff Burton. And it's going to be more driver-to-driver -driver talk uh, conversations. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see because Ricky has a huge amount of respect for the sport. Um, he's an Xfinity champion. We know that. Uh, now he's winning cup races. He's got a shot in the playoffs to be a, a cup champion at this point in time. So I, I am looking forward to being in that setting because that's our – sacred place yeah. to go to that Hall of Fame. And Rick Allen will be there as well. So Wednesdays are must-watch moving forward. We still have a lot of ground to cover here. Uh, we are just finishing stage one, so to speak. Still ahead, we're going to dive into the night for Dale Earnhardt Jr. a little bit deeper. Maybe his final ride at Daytona, but certainly big expectations over the weekend, though his night would end far too early. Clint Boyer picked up another second-place finish at Daytona, but he's going to share why he's getting more and more frustrated 
The Wonder Kid, William Byron, picking up his second straight Xfinity win on Saturday afternoon. And people are starting to realize just how talented this 19-year-old is. Plus, we're going to get an early look at Scan All Daytona. All eyes on the world center of racing. All that's still ahead. Well, the biggest story heading into the weekend was Dale Jr.'s chances in his last race at Daytona as a full-time Cup Series driver. But the storybook ending that so many were hoping for was simply not to be. Fireworks and superstars getting ready to be on display here tonight. The field in the hands of Jr., Green flag in the air. We're underway from Daytona. Oh, Dale Jr.'s in trouble. He's up into the wall. Stay up there. Stay up there. Stay up there. Something wrong with the 88. He got stuck up against the wall and now dragging. They have to put a new tire on. Very costly for the 88. Dale Earnhardt Jr. at one point tonight was two laps down. He's not anymore, and he is digging for more. Oh, around goes the board of Kevin Harvick. The 88 bouncing along the backstretch wall. That tells me that something's probably broken in the front suspension. He has just turned off the race car and brought the nationwide Chevrolet to the garage. Everybody talking about this being my last Daytona race. I hope every weekend ain't like this as far as that goes. I mean, um, but the, the, the attention and reaction from the fans uh, makes me feel great. And uh, hopefully we're able to uh, turn that around and uh, back on them the rest of the season and thank them for everything they've done. But I wish we could have had a good finish tonight, lift not a win. We were working up in there and, and having a good time and being aggressive and uh, wearing out the sides of that race car, but just wasn't to be. So a disappointing Saturday night for sure, but still nine races left before uh, the playoffs begin for Junior to maybe have a chance yeah. to get a win. And Steve, when you look at these nine opportunities, it's not like he hasn't won at these tracks before. In fact, the two of you together swept Pocono back in 2014, and you can see wins at these other tracks as well. As you look at this and you consider how his season has gone, where are his best opportunities on the schedule now that Daytona's behind us? Well, Carolyn, you see the four highlighted tracks that he has found success at before, Bristol and Richmond being two short tracks. But I'd like to focus on the bigger tracks, Pocono, Michigan, both high-speed, smooth tracks. I would actually add Indianapolis to that list as well. I think that's the type of tracks that over the last three or four years, Dale Jr. has seemed to find a way to succeed at. Uh, last year, unfortunately, with him being out with a concussion, he didn't get to run at Indianapolis, but his car showed some speed with Jeff Gordon behind the wheel. And overall, I think that Hendrick Motorsports is a huge company that has great success where horsepower and aerodynamics makes the biggest difference. And when you go to those bigger tracks, that's what these teams lean back on. So while I know there was disappointment for Dale Jr. at Daytona crashing out of that race, even if he didn't get to win it, I think he just wanted the chance in the closing laps to see if he could somehow put a move together to get to the front. He didn't get that chance. I think that has to be the focus of this race team. Greg Eyes and Dale Jr. at 138 points below the cut line. I expect more new winners. That only makes that deficit bigger. I think this team now needs to think it's 
win is the only option to make the playoffs. And for that, they can gamble Kyle, whether it's a fuel strategy or limited tires. I would consistently try to put Dale Jr. up front on the offensive and give him a chance to showcase his talent in his final season. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And, and I'm going to say this is, listen, emotionally, sentimentally, I want to see him win every race. Uh, I want to see him make the playoffs. I want to see him be the guy. I, I, I don't think anybody was pulling harder for him Saturday night than I was because where Dale Jr. goes, there goes the sport at this point in time because this is his last, last hurrah. But Steve used the word right there, chance. He just wanted a chance to be put in that position to run up front and make a chance to win that race, have a chance to win that race. In the 17 or 16 previous races this year, he's not had a chance. So even though we look at these races and we say, yeah, this is a place he's won it in the past, this is a place, I've not seen anything that leads me to believe he's going to be able to go head-to-head with Ryan Blaney. He's going to be able to go to head-to-head with Martin Truex or Kyle Larson. I think what that team has to do is the same thing that Steve said. Gamble a little bit. Give him a chance. Put him in position so he can get pumped up behind that wheel and do something spectacular. Do something that we don't expect. Just give him a chance because I don't believe he's had a chance the first part of the year. Steve, he's been the sport's most popular driver for well over a decade. He is certainly uh, no stranger to pressure and fans willing him and wanting him to be the best and do things, whether it's possible or not. But were you even surprised at how much pressure he was facing Saturday in Daytona? I think I was more surprised with his reaction that he was surprised that everyone was making this such a big deal. I think to him, I'm not sure if he has quite grasped the fact that, you know, when he announced his retirement, he had some time to think about it. He took weeks to digest that decision. His fan base did not. And I think his fan base is still just yearning for success so hard. They want to see this 88 go back to victory lane that I actually think this pressure is only going to continue to build. And I think he did his best at Daytona until he had that flat. But like Kyle said, the problem is the 88 car has only led 11 laps the entire season. Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. has led more races than the 88 has led laps. So something has to change. And and it's not as simple as a shock or a spring or an aerodynamic adjustment. It's basically a mindset. And I think Dale, his team, it's almost time to rally the troops together and say, you know what? The world is going to talk about us. We have to get to victory lane. What we need to do is go out and have a good time. Dale Earnhardt Jr. performs the best when he's enjoying being behind the wheel. I think that's why he runs so well at the super speedways, because he truly enjoys it. Now, Greg Eyes and Dale Jr. need to find a way to truly enjoy the next nine. And with that, we may see them back in victory lane. Hey, just quickly, Steve, before we go to break, is that more challenging than a shock or a spring, a mentality change? Well, it's much harder because your teammates can't help you with that. Kyle Busch can help his teammates with a shock or a spring. Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, their notes will help you set the car up differently. But when it comes to just confidence, approach, pit strategy, aggression, those things have to be built by leadership. Those are the hardest things to fix on a race team. All right, we'll leave it there. Clint Boyer, by the way, getting closer and closer uh, to a win. His first one in nearly five years. In fact, he finished second for the second straight week. Up next, we're going to hear from Clint and several others who were very close to victory on Saturday. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year.
Tonight, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in his final season races here one more time. So he says go, you go. Green flag in the air. We're underway from Daytona. Man, people are crazy already. Blood here already crazy. Yeah, no doubt. Brad Keselowski, he will win stage one. I think I had a right rear flat going into the corner of the right front flat after it hit the wall. And the big one happens at Daytona. Wow, we got lucky there. We sure did. Coming to the end of stage two, Kenseth gets the win. Oh, around goes the four of Kevin Harvick. If he comes down like this, we got to help these Toyotas. We don't need that five to win. Keep hustling it, man. Doing a good job. You open the air goes the 42 of Kyle Larson. Caution comes out. We're done. Green flag back in the air. Stenhouse Jr., white flag in the air. One more time around. Stenhouse Jr. wins at Daytona. And the full version of Scandal is tomorrow on NASCAR America. But as you may have heard, there are several teams who usually aren't weekly contenders really got a chance to shine. So let's hear from a number of those drivers who were vying for the win at the end of Saturday's race. Uh, you know, it's great to get a top five. We're really excited about that. Uh, but coming off of turn four, coming to the white second, I thought maybe I had a shot at it. But uh, Ricky and I were just too far out, and uh, those cars behind us had a big run. I made a lot of good moves tonight, but I didn't make a good move uh, coming to the white flag. And, and I saw the 13 had a really good run. My car wasn't good on the bottom. Anytime there was a car on my outside, felt like it kind of drug me down. So I wanted to try to keep anybody on my, my bottom. And um, the 17 and the 95 just had way too good of a run. So, yeah, I I'd love to uh, hit reset and do it again, but you can't do that in this world. Uh, good night. This bridesmaid deal is kind of sucks, though. That's two in a row. Uh, I want to win. You know, we're in this business to win. That's what Tony and Gene pay me to do. We're getting close. Damn it. want to win. <laughs> Clint Boyer just desperate to put on the veil. He finds himself 27 points above the cut line after back-to-back runner-up finishes. Matt Kenseth on the bubble with a three-point advantage over Joey Logano, whose win does not count towards the playoffs due to his post-race penalty after Richmond. Here's the thing, Kyle. Boyer hasn't won in 166 races overall. So when you look at the bigger picture of this, is this about more than making the playoffs for him? For him personally, I think it is, yes. Um, for that team, I think it's about making the playoffs. Kevin Harvick is the leader of that team. He is the man. He has put that team, Kevin has put the Stuart Haas racing team in position to win championships. Boyer wants to be a part of that. Now, I'm going to give Boyer the benefit of the doubt for a couple of reasons. Uh, he spent a little time uh, over the last season in exile with a team that wasn't competitive. He's just now getting back in the swing. We heard David Reagan talk about being in position and making a wrong move. In a lot of ways, Clint Boyer's learning how to race again. But five or six races, eight or ten races into the season, he is fast becoming the guy who is a bridesmaid but is right there knocking on the door to get that victory. Well, how much time should it take, Steve? Well, I think the fact that he isn't happy with the second place proves that they're on the right track. Last week, Dale Jarrett and I had a heated discussion on this show about whether Boyer would make the playoffs or not. I didn't think he would. DJ thought that he was going to make it. I'll have to admit... 
Clint's reaction after back-to-back -back seconds is winning me over. I'm glad he didn't get out and tell me how good of a car they had and how close they were. He wasn't happy. He was disappointed, and that's what I want to see. I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy. I want to see my driver not happy with anything but a win. And that reaction from Clint Boyer is kind of winning me over that perhaps it's coming sooner rather than later. All right, Steve, let's go through the final restart of the race here. But I just want to start with an admission from David Reagan post-race. We're going to pull up what he said, and here it is. Over the years... If you're in those situations more, you just make better decisions on the fly. That's the first time I've been leading like that in a green-white checkered at a place rate at a plate race in several years. I was probably a little slow to be looking in my mirrors good enough. Okay, so with that in mind, Steve, I want you to break down the overtime restart for us. Well, Carolyn, first about David Reagan. He did a wonderful job of giving this 38 team even a chance in the final restart. And the fact that he has enough self-reflection to admit, you know, I just don't have enough reps at it, enough shots at it. And it really showed up. So when we look at this final restart and look at the players involved, it's really surprising because it's a bunch of drivers who hadn't won. Actually, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. probably has the most experience running up front. The 38 of David Reagan did a nice job. You see right there putting that 17, that light blue 17 behind him on the bottom, pinning him down there. Off from turn two, doing everything he needs to do, but then he makes one vital mistake, and it's right here. The run is on the bottom. It is not on the top. You can see how quick the 17's closing in. The 38 decides to block the top lane. That was it. That's all it took. You see how much ground he's losing. But when you stop the tape right here, what jumps to mind to me is the man we just talked about, Clint Boyer. He's nowhere in sight. He's 10 cars behind the lead, that white 14, right behind that bright yellow 27 of Paul Menard. That just proves the difference of experience. The 38 made a bad decision, lost the race, but he did a wonderful job even being in the picture. The 17 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. made a nice move, blocked, won the race. But look at that venture, that wily venture in Clint Boyer somehow in two and a half, maybe three miles, found a way to pass seven or eight more cars to get back to that second. Yeah, and... and, and that's the perfect example of what we we're just talking about with Clint. He's learning to race again, learning to race in that position again. He took a car. He's been in that position numerous times with the teams that he's been in. We've seen him race uh, with our own Jeff Burton at Talladega and, and win races and run up front and do things. We know he knows how to make those moves. He showed us on Saturday night he's ready to make that move to victory lane. He's ready. He's knocking on that door. And, and I would have to agree with what Steve said. Asked me two or three weeks ago, I would say, no way, Clint Boyer. Some guy tweeted me the other night, and he said, I, I got $10 on, on Clint Boyer tonight. Do you think it's a safe bet? And I said, it's a safe bet. You lose $10. That's what a safe <laughs> bet is. And then he runs second. He comes out of nowhere, seemingly to me, because I just don't expect him to do that. But I do believe that the Stuart Haas Racing guys and the Ford Blue Oval, when we go to the restrictor plates, they're the guys to beat the Ford teams are. Maybe we should get that person's information and see if they could be a Finland analyst or something for yeah, us. Yeah, well, he's already tweeted me. I got all his information, okay. believe me. Listen, Boyer <laughs> does have a pair of bridesmaids dresses hanging up in his closet right now, but 19-year-old William Byron has a pair of wins in his many weeks. After waiting out the weekend rain in Florida, Byron taking the checkered flag in the Xfinity Series. We'll see how he got the job done there next.
Uh, in the Xfinity Series, the race went green shortly before 8 p.m. on Friday night this weekend, but we didn't see the checkered flag until the next afternoon. Let's pick it up, Kyle, with three laps to go. William Byron getting into Joey Logano, pushing him into the grass here. Yeah, William Byron just barely gets into Joey, but you see the reason for that was because Ryan Reed gets in the back <laughs> of, of William Byron, and, and they continue on. Joey did a great job. Joey did a great job coming through the grass there and staying straight. Yeah, he ended up finishing eighth, and then one lap later, Steve, a big wreck behind the leaders. Yeah, they didn't continue on for long. This is the next lap, and you see just that, that pushing, that bumping, that bump draft that got Joey Logano out of line. It's the same thing that caught the 33 spitting him in front of the field. All right, so here's how it went down in overtime. Eric Jones out of fuel. He can't get going, so William Byron launches out to the front. As he approaches the overtime line, another big wreck happening right behind the leaders. But if you look at the replay, it shows Byron crossing the overtime line well before the caution light comes out. He would cross the finish line first under caution. So the youngest Xfinity Series winner in Daytona history. But he did forget to put the car in park, something our Marty Snyder addressed with William Byron. He kind of forgot to put the emergency brake on. The car was rolling there. Cool to celebrate right here with the fans, isn't it? Man, it's awesome. These Daytona fans are really cool. I came here for a Daytona 500 when I was a kid. <laughs> this is so cool to win at Daytona. Just got a few really good bumps by the 16 car, the one car, um, everybody out there. So just uh, really awesome to win at Daytona. I feel like I've been here forever, so this feels really good to get the win and just uh, thankful for everybody. Thank for the fans. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you want to say to these fans? They're right here listening to you. It's awesome, man. Thanks for the support. I mean, to see this many fans out here after uh, two days is really cool. So thank you guys. Let's take a quick look at the Xfinity Series standings here after 15 of 33 races. And as you can see, the man on top, William Byron, Justin Allgaier, Ryan Reed, Elliot Sadler, Brendan Poole rounding out the top five. Steve, I love that he said that he remembers coming to Daytona as a kid because a lot of people think that he is still is a kid. Wait a minute. That means he was just there in February. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, he is fresh-faced, but he's surely talented. What stands out to you, Steve, about his progression over just the last month? Well, I think, Carolyn, you know, William Byron's progression is has been longstanding more than the last month, and I think that's really the key. You know, he went to February, or he went to the Xfinity race in February, wasn't in a lot of big runs, didn't really make a lot of moves, kind of just sat back and finished in the top ten, solid run, nothing to really hang your hat on, though, and when he came back in July, he looked like a new person. He reminds me of that timid kid in school. For the first semester, he sits in the back taking notes, never, uh, never willing to raise his hand and answer a question. Well, when we came back and watched this race th just this last weekend he wasn't that kid anymore he was the kid with all the answers ready to take the runs take the moves you heard him talking about pushes from the one pushes from the 16 well that's not as simple as just running wide open letting those cars push on your bumper you need to get squared up with them you need to drag the brake a little bit he did all of that his confidence has been skyrocketing a near miss at michigan a win at iowa backing it up with a win at daytona kyle he has a lot of people in his corner whether it's rick hendrick uh, car owner Dale Jr., maybe teammates at Hendrick Motorsports with Jimmy Johnson, Casey Kane. I'm not sure who he's texting and talking to, but whoever it is is the right person because they're giving him great advice. Yeah, he's, he is getting great advice. And we heard during the broadcast some of their radio communication. And, and they talk to him like he's a veteran, and he responds as a veteran. And, and they made that comment a couple of times on the spot, or you drove this race just like a veteran would have. Uh, it has been amazing to watch his progression. As Steve said, 
You didn't even know he was there in February. He was learning. He was paying attention. And then over the last three weeks, if we go back to just inches at Michigan and an encumbered win by the guy that did win the race, if we go back, a two-mile racetrack, which are your intermediate tracks, a short track in Iowa, and now a super speedway at Daytona. On every type of racetrack they run, except the road courses, he has risen to the top here in the last three or four weeks. That speaks volumes for... for um, William Byron as a race car driver and speaks volumes for that team and what they're giving him. Listen, I realize that it's early, but Steve just mentioned a couple of names that are going to be making a big decision at the end of this season. Steve, is William Byron poised now with what he has been showing you to potentially fill the 88 seat next year for Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Well, Carolyn, without a doubt, his name has to be on the list. Um, he wouldn't get my vote. As crazy as that sounds, this young man is very, very talented, but he's only 19. And I think some things and some people are better off to just gain experience where they can win, where they can continually drive for wins, go to victory lane. And I think William Byron, there's no need to rush him to the cup level. I think there are other options. There are some veterans. We keep hearing their names moving around. Um, so I think actually the decision maker is either going to be Rick Hendrick or the business side of motorsports because William Byron not only is a bright, young, fresh, young man driving a race car driver with a lot of talent, but he's very well-spoken, very well-liked. So perhaps the business side of NASCAR might make this decision. Sometimes the business side does. All right, coming up, we are going to talk a little bit more about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and his big win Saturday night at Daytona. We're going to hear from his pit crew, and we'll also ask the question, can he win on a mile-and-a-half track? That's next. Thank the good Lord for giving me this opportunity to come out here and do what I love to do for a living, uh, to work with this great group of guys. You know, we've been uh, working really, really hard at Roush Fenway, and uh, this just keeps pushing us further and further along. Uh, this Ford performance team has just been amazing. Uh, Ford's been dominant. I had a Fourth of July party planned. You're going to need to plan another one. Just got a little bigger. <laughs> You know, it was a long, caution-filled Saturday night at Daytona, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr. <laughs> probably didn't mind. It did mean plenty of work, though, for the pit crew. So let's recognize the 17-team now in today's pit crew review. My name is Mike Russell, Jack Man at Roush Fenway. It's the uh, second win of the year. First win was Talladega. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with the win. This is the moment our race car driver lives for. Got a big win today at Daytona. Stenhouse Jr. wins at Daytona. Throughout the night, we, we just fought. Fought our way back to the front. Um, at the end, it got, it got a little tense. It was hard to watch. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a power move on the inside. That goes to show Roush Fenway this year, the hard work we put in all week. Come to the racetrack and finally show off, you know. You know, Mike Russell was the jackman for Chris Buescher during his run to the Xfinity Series Championship two years ago for Roush Fenway Racing. This fall, Russell will have a chance to earn a Monster Energy Series title along with his crewmates on the 17 team, and they are all led, of course, by veteran crew chief Brian Patty. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse and his pit crew are now guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, but like you mentioned earlier in the show, and this is a very fair point, once they get there, half of the tracks that they are going to see are mile and a half. Chicago, Charlotte, Kansas, Texas, Miami. Here is what Stenhouse said about that challenge uh, just a little while ago. We're still working on our mile and a half program. We feel like we can run top 10 and get top 10 finishes, but we're not ready to go out and win those races yet. 
But that's something that we're working towards, trying to get a plan together for the playoffs so that we can go out and compete at those. Steve, what does it take to get there? Well, the problem, Carolyn, is it takes speed in your race cars. But remember, the 17 team isn't the only team working to get faster at the mile and a half. The teams that are currently dominating, Kyle Larson, the 78, and Martin Truex, even Kyle Busch is dominating the laps led. They're doing that as well. They're trying to improve. So I really think what it comes down to for the 17 team is, and you mentioned it when it came to the pit crew, the veteran crew chief, Brian Patty. I really believe that Brian Patty has the experience, more experience than everybody on this race team. And while the pro Programs at Roush Fenway, helping them build those speedway cars could help them at those types of tracks. And I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and his ability can help them at the short tracks. At the mile and a half, you have to have good driving race cars. I think that purely lands on the shoulders of the crew chief, Brian Patty. I think he could do it. The other thing they need to be is just honest with themselves. Kyle, you understand that you can't race every race like you have the fastest car. And if they have a top 10, top 12, top 15 car, be honest with where their speed is. Look at what strategies they might be able to do. The crew chief and the driver must be on the same page to try to either get off sequence, maybe take less tires, and perhaps just don't make mistakes. We've seen a lot of teams make mistakes when the playoffs come around. Yeah, and, and I, I like what he, Steve just said. Be honest with yourself. I think Ricky and these guys are being honest with themselves. We're not ready to win on mile and a half racetracks. Okay, that's pretty being pretty blatantly honest. And we, you're going into a playoff system where you know, as Steve said, Truex is ready to win. Kyle Busch is ready to win. There's a lot of teams. Uh, Kevin Harvick. These guys are ready to go out there and win week in and week out on mile-and-a-half racetracks. So you're already a little bit behind the eight ball. Steve can speak to this a lot better than I can. Is I don't care what driver you have. Jimmy Johnson, the great Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, Jeff Gordon. If it's not done right at the shop, don't expect that driver and that crew chief to save your butt in an hour and a half of race tra- uh, practice at the racetrack to fix it when we get there. It has to be done right at the shop. The plan has to be done at the shop. So the chassis you bring, the car you bring, how it's prepared, where you're ready for it, your simulation, everything has to be spot on. That's what Kevin Harvick does. That's what Kyle Busch does. That's what Martin Truex is doing. That's the piece that these guys are lacking. They get to the racetrack, and yes, they've got a top 10 or 15 car, but they need to up that game before they get to the racetrack. Well, the good news is this latest win has guaranteed them a spot in the playoffs, so now they can tweak and focus on these final nine races or so until the playoffs begin. We're just two races into the 2017 schedule for us here at NBC Sports, and our pit road reporters are already battle-tested, dealing with both the heat and the rain. Up next, they're going to go on the wall with their take. On a memorable weekend at Daytona, you are watching NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. Well, tomorrow on NASCAR America, we are going to have the raw and uncut sights and sounds of Saturday's Coke Zero 400 in Scan All Daytona, the full version. And on Wednesday, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to be our very special guest in our first show at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, joining Rick Allen and all of our drivers. But let's hear from our NASCAR and NBC pit reporters now as they go on the wall for the first time in 2017. We've got fire. 
fireworks going off behind us, but there were plenty of fireworks tonight on track here at Daytona. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. back-to-back restrictor plate wins, and when you looked at that final group who had a shot to win this race, you could have never predicted some of the names running up there at front, including David Reagan, Ty Dillon, among many others. I want to look at Brendan Gaughan. He finished seventh, but he was uh, in the earlier in the race yeah, looking did pretty that, good. Eh? Did he wreck earlier in the race? At least once, and there was a few wrecks that didn't happen, but Gaughan comes from a very small team. His car owner, Mark Beard, actually hurt his back this weekend, and he was watching from Brendan Gaughan's motor coach the whole time. I'm sure he might have stood up a few times there at the end because Brendan no almost one, did it No too. one wanted to help Brendan either, and I saw him right after the race, and he was like, hey, no one would help me. And I was like, yeah, well, he's like, they should know it's a big motor to be in the car. And I was like, well, next time they will. That's right. He's unafraid. But a lot of the young stars of NASCAR really stole the show. I mean, there was a time when it was Ryan Blaney before he ranked Daniel Stewart. I say we keep going. That's my favorite part of the taping when everyone's looking at Kelly and they're all thinking the same thing. What is happening behind us? But you know, we're the ones that scheduled a race yes. on July 4th. We got to pay the price. Um, let's pull up the playoff picture before we wrap things up on the show. So 17 of 36 races, and this is where things stand. Steve, what are you looking at first when you see all these names? Well, we knew there were going to be fireworks in Daytona. They were in the sky and on the racetrack, and those fireworks turned into four or 14 caution flags. And what that did is look at Matt Kenseth, Joe Logano right there on the bubble. Those yellow flags, those DNFs, the big accidents hurt both of those drivers, but directly across from them, Kevin Harvick, the veteran, broke through at Sonoma. I think was just biding his time at Daytona and unfortunately had that flat tire that got into the accident, but he's still solidly in the playoffs. So while this seems redundant, wins fix everything, Kyle. That's what I learned. And (laughs) Kevin Harvick is just one more driver that's sitting there smiling this weekend because that win is going to take all the pressure off from that accident at Daytona. Yeah, it takes all the pressure off of what went on at Daytona, having that win. And, you know, it, it, as I watch, and we'll stay on Kevin here for just a minute, this is a team that since Kevin and Rodney Childers teamed up when they went to, to Stuart Haas Racing have been a dominant car, have had speed everywhere. They've lacked the touch of it this year, but they're – coming into their own right now. They're figuring out this Ford. They're figuring out what to, what's making it work. And I'm telling you, by the time we get to the playoffs, they're going to be there with the 78 car of Truex and whoever else seems to be the car that we're going to have to chase there. It seems like they're always ready when it's time. And yes. there's nowhere to go but up for our pit reporters. Yes. That was just Sorry. one. They just picked great. up the coverage. You know what? We'll get them next time. That's all for NASCAR America. For all your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We'll be back tomorrow, July 4th, 5 Eastern. Thanks for watch and enjoy the holiday. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.